If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Coming up on Unlocked episode 388, it's IGN's weekly Xbox podcast. Borderlands 3, finally, for the love of God, has been announced. We'll talk about it and what they showed and what is left to be revealed. Plus, another Borderlands game that's uh, maybe a little unexpected. We'll see about that. A totally new game called Darkborn. That should be interesting. We've got plenty to discuss there. Ubisoft confirming they will be at E3 and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you for, let's see, April 2nd, 2019, Podcast Unlocked. That's right, we can go back to calling it Podcast Unlocked now, because it actually is a podcast again. A real podcast. Miranda Sanchez, good morning. Hello, good morning. You're still rocking. Studio or not, you got your Gears of War mug. Yes, I will always bring it with me. It is my favorite (laughs) mug. It's an excellent mug in its shape and its weight. It's a good mug. Of course, it's designed super well. Yes, it's designed for for a gear to hold with a big, you know, glove and gauntlet. Yeah, my hand's not that big, but (laughs) I hold it with two hands, so it's okay. Destin Legary, good morning, my friend. Bam, that coffee smells good, Miranda. <laughs> and I get my morning cup. I usually do an iced coffee in the morning. Then when I get to the office, I have a warm cup of joe. Look at you. you and, got a whole uh, I, I love my coffee. I love my coffee. It's uh, wake up in the morning, go to the gym, come to the office, fail at capturing Mortal Kombat fatalities <laughs> for about an hour, get super aggro on anybody who talks to me. Duggan knows. Who's oh, yeah. James Duggan, hi. Hello. Welcome. Hi. I don't seem to be as awake as everybody else, and I think it's because I recently switched off of coffee to just tea. <laughs> Aww. So, I so tried but that. that's okay. I'm I'm here at heart. I that's I've good. never drank coffee. Just never been a thing. Yeah. <gasps> what's uh, What's your morning ritual? Uh, I I wake up. I walk the dog. Uh, shower. Then pack up my lunch and breakfast, and come eat. And then I eat breakfast here. Do yeah, some here. Winnie the Pooh squats in the mirror. I do those. Yeah, <laughs> I touch I'm a push-up guy. It doesn't show, but you, yeah, you guys, you guys do exercise in the morning, like at your house. No, I usually end up doing it after work. Yeah, oh, honestly. okay. I work out at lunch. I mean, Ooh. I do. Yeah, I literally, li- I live on a hill, so the morning dog walk, like we, we. No, that's a good one. We do go up and down the hill on purpose to just mm-hmm. get a little, something a little, get the legs working a little bit. Yeah. But you know. We're trying. Tr- it's all just surviving at this point. Yeah. It's not even like it's not even trying to look good. Or well, I know for Duggan it is. He so, looks good. So at some point, a uh, personal trainer becomes a survival trainer. 
It's just about <laughs> maintaining the slow deterioration until the infinite abyss. Pretty much. Right. I mean, you know, that's a kind of a. I mean, it's it's important. Fair I, I, I also I also feel like I also feel like anytime you exercise, it enhances the rest of your life. That's true. It it makes you feel good. That is true. The rush of endorphins, and you yeah. feel like you've accomplished something that wasn't just given to you. I turn uh, 37 on Friday, so I am one step closer to that abyss. One foot in the grave. Yeah. Well, happy Thank early you, birthday. Hmm. Yeah, thanks. Hey, you're, you're trailing behind me, but not by too far. I'm old. Oh, yeah, I forgot we're both April people. Yeah. Mine's on the yeah. 15th. Tax Aries. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, I wanted to start, actually, uh, one reason James Duggan is here, besides mm. the fact that he's handsome and we like oh, hearing from him. But yeah, we uh, we haven't Answer had a, voice. a chance really to. That's true. We have not had a chance to really dig into the division two, especially in light of uh, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of there's big picture stuff and there's micro picture stuff. James Duggan, you reviewed the game. You've spent a ton of time with it. You've effectively done everything there is to do at this stage. Yes. And uh, for now, for now, for now. But number one, I wanted to just talk about this because it's this is a video game that. Uh, has largely avoided the the launch problems of of its genre yeah. compadres. Yeah, I think actually that's that's kind of the thesis of my review. Uh, in some ways, I feel like it did a phenomenal job, and I feel like that's an achievement that is not to be taken lightly. Um, it launched, the servers were stable, and the content was there. And uh, I really when I when I come into shared world shooters or I come into MMOs, there are far fewer of the latter these days, but I look for a couple of key things, and the first one is an incentive to play with other people. I really want to feel like there's a reason that I need to be online. Um, and, and not just, there are some cheaty ways to do it, like Diablo 3 getting a, a loot drop bonus anytime that you queue up with somebody else, yeah. which to me doesn't really hit as much as something like a World of Warcraft dungeon, where I need a tank, a healer, and three DPS to be able to complete this thing. Uh, and the Division 2 does a good job of that, but it also does a good job of introducing new mechanics to you um, and really kind of identifying all the problems with the first game and fixing and then improving upon those. So getting them to a baseline and then moving past it. One example is the world. Um, new York City was beautiful. Washington, D.C. is beautiful. But I can really kind of t- take a trip through Washington, D.C. in my mind because I was so engaged with that world mm. uh, moving through the game. They populate it with chests. They're everywhere. There's always a reason to explore. Uh, there are Easter eggs and things of that nature, for, but for the, the folks who just care about loot, there's a ton of that everywhere. They're so incredibly generous with their loot distribution. <clears throat> they do a good job of introducing uh, new enemies and new factions to you as you progress through the game. That kind of stagnates a bit at some point, but you get to uh, the end game or the story, and you find out that there's a lot more for you to do. There's not an infinite end game in the sense that they have a really good replayable loop in there. One of my criticisms of the game was the daily and weekly quests, which Destiny does a good job of being like, hey, this is the only way you can progress from here on out for a little while. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> which I don't know how I feel about. Which, which long term has gotten actually a little <clears throat> bit boring. Yeah, but at least it's something. There, uh, yeah. there, is, there is a brick wall in the division eventually, and it's kind of after what they call the end game. But uh, it was a little bit... I was just a little bit sour when I got done with that. Going into the Dark Zone is not very well incentivized. That was kind of the biggest disappointment of the game. Um, but 
coming out of that, I, I looked at how much I played, and I had 60 really good hours yeah. of time spent in the division, that I had a lot of fun playing with friends. The, the AI did a wonderful job of really making you work as a team to make sure they don't flank you, and there are certain archetypes that need to die pretty immediately and things of that nature. Boss encounters are a little bit underwhelming, but for the most part, it is far and away the best launch date MM up. MMO. I mean, maybe, sure. MMOS. I feel it's yeah. closer to it. The, the best <laughs> launch state shareable shooter and maybe MMO. It's it's yeah. content complete. It's there. It's a finished product. Uh, and you can play it. And there's a lot of fun things to do right now. And we have Tidal Basin coming up uh, later this week. Friday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for, for unlocked listeners out there who have maybe either been burned by playing <clears throat> Anthem. Destiny or Anthem at launch, <laughs> um, this this is this is the one that avoids a lot of those mistakes. It sounds like sure to me. It's less of avoiding mistakes and really building upon what has been the genre's weakest, uh, the biggest failing. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing about the Division Two is. There is an aha moment with Anthem's combat. There's an aha moment with Destiny's combat uh, where it just feels really good. There's this visceral, this feels really good in the moment. Yeah. The Division 2 doesn't really have that. The combat uh, is a little bit more strategic and is a slower burn. But it does get there in terms of the loot, in terms of the interesting modifiers that the equipment have. You eventually get to a place where you really care about what gun you have, uh, what talents and attributes it has. Um, there are a, a ton of Easter eggs. The world is really well built. So in spite of the combat not being remarkably gratifying, it's certainly better than the Division 1. It's still kind of basic cover-based shooter at some point. But uh, it gets there with all of the loot and all of the various uh, variants that they mix in along the way. So tell me if I'm interpreting you correctly, because I, I haven't played the Division 2 beyond a one-hour session at E3 last year. Would it be fair to say that the highs maybe aren't quite as high? As as Anthem or or the best of of Destiny, but the lows are clearly not as low. Is it just a I, I do is it a steadier, fair. just smoother, you know, rock solid it's kind a steadier of steadier eighty five percent? Yeah, good, good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you think that's maybe because the setting of the division isn't something kind of fantastical? It gets very grounded, familiar. Like you're not going to be surprised by a big monster around the corner. Like it's just more bad guys, and you've fought not necessarily those bad guys before, but in very similar settings. Like there's not something yeah surprising. I think that's actually turned me off from it. It's like, do I really just want to go trounce around, ruin in DC, and just shoot some guys for a long time? Like when <laughs> you're, when you you're get improving to these- it. Huh? You're improving. <laughs> Miranda's point. <clears throat> yeah, Miranda's I know point. what you're saying. Sorry, yeah. incredibly valid. Uh, and it's and yes and. Uh, you can even see, I feel like, you can kind of, sometimes when you play games, you can see past a little uh, opaque pane of glass into the development studio right. a couple of times. There's this Easter egg somewhere where there are just a bunch of ducks like in like an unholy communion <laughs> around a circle sacrificing another duck. And somebody wrote on the wall, <clears throat> productivity with oh. duck in there. So clearly some developer was mm. oh, maybe maybe later than they should be there. But uh, <laughs> but also I feel like that there's there's a totally uh, evident debate internally with that idea. Mm-hmm. You know, should all the enemies be humans? Should all the enemies be grounded in reality? And I do think that it, it contrasts incredibly poorly against the idea of a stat-driven uh, looter shooter where mm-hmm. you want to be excited about the gear that you pick up. You don't want your... You don't want your 40th AK-47 to be the same as your first. Hmm. Uh, and it does a better job in the first game, but you're right. It, it 
it, there are a couple of times where it throws a surprise or two at you, but they are few and far between and, and sometimes very unceremonious. And you're like, why wasn't this a good, why didn't they save this for a boss fight? Mm. Or why didn't they just go off the rails? Metal mm-hmm. Gear Solid. Like <laughs> they, it feels like they need to make a decision one way or another. And they're really stuck in this middle ground of, of creatively not choosing to break the veil of reality in spite of the fact that nanites are healing you yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're robots running all over the place. And yeah, I'm like. not trying to say that like human enemies aren't interesting. Like I think there are definitely ways to do it. Just the repetition. The question, like, yeah, how do they keep that lively Plus. in this sort of setting? Because I think there's only so much you can do with humans yes. in like a, a looter shooter. Like we're, we're encountering these enemies constantly and how do you keep that engaging over yes. that time? Uh, another huge criticism is that every boss in the game <clears throat> they're called named enemies, and they just have a, a neon yellow health bar. Is just a steroided up version of another archetype. Like, oh no, it's Jeff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look out, it's Zach. <laughs> yes, those are literal <laughs> boss names. It's Zach, fad. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and yeah, that's that's a big part of it. There are a couple enemies that you don't expect. Like, there's a big guy with uh, covered in Kevlar with a chainsaw. There's okay. a, Mark. a suicide bomber, Mark. That crazy dude. There's Joe who's got a big sledgehammer who's trying to bash your brains in. So like there, okay. there are a couple I died of to Joe. there are a couple of folks who that but the problem is they are very finite. Uh, mm-hmm. and I would have liked that would have been fine if they had had some really, really, really uh, spectacular boss encounters. Somebody on Twitter reached out to me and said, You say all this stuff, but can you even think of any? And I'm like, okay. Let me let me let me think for a second. Sure. Uh, maybe a boss that summons a bunch of uh, drones that slowly work their way to him, and if they get to them, they they heal him fully. So oh. your team has to kill the drones along the way. Uh, there could be uh, there could be kind of a, an elite team you go against that's got a sniper in the back with a laser, and you need to the laser's trained on your forehead, so you need to line it up with an enemy in the middle of it. I think there's some some kind of classic game design fun um, bespoke boss mechanics that could have worked into this thing to make it a little bit less repetitious in that sense. And I think that's a very valid point, Miranda. But, but so. nevertheless, yep. it's it's rock solid start it totally to is. start actually start to finish yes. from what you're saying. One hundred percent. Yeah. And that's great to hear that uh yeah, if you've been maybe either burned by the other looter shooters or or you've sat on the sidelines because you see how tough that they they've had it in the launch window that this is the one to to hop find your friends and hop in there, it sounds like totally. I've yeah. been uh being power leveled by our buddy Illegal Knot our compadre, who's in the IGN clan with us. And uh, I played a whole bunch this last week to get to level 28. I want to be ready for World Tier 5 on Friday. I'm going to be playing a bunch more tonight. Um, it's not fun to be power level because he's World <laughs> Tier 4, like, geared out. And you can't yeah. kill anything. And I literally get, like, two kills, and I turn around, oh. and everything else is dead. And I'm like, oh, so this is what that feels like. <laughs> I love that, though. You know, the yeah. fact that you can do that, the fact that it scales and you can jump in with well, any of your friends. He wants to get me ready are. so I can play with you That's guys. wonderful. Yeah. And there's, there's text nice. chat. Which is something that Anthem has launched without, that Destiny 2 has launched without, that blows my mind because uh, that's a fundamental part communication of of an MMO, of a shared world shooter. There's really good clan functionality. You can tell the folks at Ubisoft and the folks at Massive especially are MMO fans and have put in their due diligence with the genre. It really shows. So, yeah, worth checking out if this is your kind of thing. That's great. Love hearing that. Uh, before we move on to the news, I just want to give a quick teaser for uh, so unlocked for April will be or unfiltered for April will be dropping next week, and I will only say it was a, it was a really good episode. Uh, it is the most powerful guest, the most powerful industry figure that I've ever had in here. So yeah. talk more about that next week. But how, how much can he bench? Jeez, <laughs> you got powerful. Arnold in here. Wow. <laughs> 
Maybe not that definition of power. <laughs> yeah. maybe, although maybe, oh, I don't know, oh, maybe, right. not, maybe under the under the the, the, the facade. Yeah, you never know. There could be it could be like a Vaughn from Borderlands kind of thing. <laughs> Who knows? But all right, uh, plenty to speaking of Borderlands, we'll talk about that right after this. Wait for that achievement sound to pop before we start talking. There we go. Uh, Borderlands 3 finally announced after so long. Oh, it was an <laughs> so interesting announcement as well. Yeah, Miranda, what uh, what do you mean by that for so, people that may not have been oh. watching the, the uh, midday live stream from <laughs> PAX East? If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Maybe find a highlight reel. Should they? <laughs> yes. Because it's like sometimes... Wait, I have a magic trick for you. Yeah. So, yeah, highlight reel, or at least skip through it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of magic ahead of time for very selfish reasons, I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> Not really relevant to Borderlands. You're, yes, you're, you're referring, of course, to uh, Gearbox's magician, magician by night, game developer by day, Randy Pitchford, who uh, gave the keynote address, mm-hmm. the opening address for PAX East. And, uh, yeah, eventually got around to a Borderlands 3 announcement. Yeah, so I actually didn't, I didn't have it on until I just heard people groaning. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> and they're like, Miranda, this this Borderlands, this Gearbox panel is just it's just going off the rails. I was like, all right, I got to see this trash fire. Um, so they did their magic trip. Uh, Miranda got done. And they tried to start showing their videos for Borderlands announcements, and they couldn't get their videos working, which is like... Oh, you I feel mean, bad like, for We just feel bad. Like, the magic yeah. thing is like... Okay, what are you doing? But then the second part is just like, oh no, like the team's obviously there and they're really yeah. excited to show their stuff and it's not not going super hot. Um and then eventually they kind of get it going. Like yeah. they, they string along until they get there. All the video producers in the office are like, "Why are you playing back 4K files in Windows Movie Maker?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, like like on your production machine. What are you doing? No. Yeah, so and, it's just like yeah. maybe maybe a little less time on the magic, more time on the rehearsing the videos just in case. Maybe a little less time on Randy Pitchford. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I maybe, I, yeah. I don't understand why I I can't imagine it's anything but frustrating for the people laboring and toiling at that company to see somebody who's embroiled in controversy. Yeah, I mean that that is fair. I mean whether, whether you whether it's you completely tone deaf. Yeah, whether you regardless of what you think or about the situation, the sure. I, I don't know if it's even allegations are quite the right word. Yeah. Has he actually been accused of anything? I'm not sure. Per se, but yeah, I guess for yeah, you're but you're totally right. Like you're it's Maybe bring up the like lead designer, the one, the the a, a few of them, maybe the the creative lead and art yeah. director. Uh, bring up a, a few people and uh, let the the actual development team unveil this thing. After how many? I mean, I, I liken the Borderlands Three announcement to the Boy Who Cried Wolf because they, <laughs> Randy insane. has. It, it's been like, oh yeah, Borderlands Three, and then it's. You, you ever, every time it's mentioned, you think, oh, here we go. We're finally going to get it really <laughs> confirmed, officially announced. And then, oh, yeah, no, it's future projects, whatever. And this finally now, mm-hmm. it's real. But it's like, okay, well, there's the wolf finally entered the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> finally. But and not not after a lot of hand-wringing and, and magic. Magic, <laughs> magic and card tricks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they finally got their trailer going. Borderlands 3 is, of course, shown. 
um, as we have noted, lots of characters from the previous games. Yeah. So I'm actually not a big Borderlands fan. Like, whenever it was kind of at the height of its popularity, me and my friends were still playing, like, Call of Duty and Halo. Yeah. So we are just like, oh, Borderlands is a thing, and then never got around to it. Um, I worked on the wiki for two. Oh, yeah. very nice. So I did all the achievements and stuff. Big Borderlands 2 fan. Yeah. So my t- thing... T- go ahead. Sorry, I really did, like, Telltale's Borderlands, Tales from Borderlands. Like, that was... That was very funny. So that's kind of, like, why I want to get into Borderlands 3. <laughs> so I am, like, hoping that it's, like, a decent enough entry point. Like I guess that's what I always hope for whenever a game's taking a very long break and it's like on new systems and yeah. it's really exciting. I'm so, actually exactly like you, where I, so I I played Borderlands One and it on paper should have been a game that was right up my alley. I love first person shooters. Yeah. I love Diablo. This was basically <laughs> a cross between those. But I I got to like I don't know maybe ten or ten hours in or so and. It just wasn't hooking me for whatever reason. I, I'm not Borderlands saying, One, right? Borderlands One, mm-hmm. and I'm not blaming the game. I'm just saying, like, it just wasn't quite clicking for me, and so I kind of let it go after that. But then, yeah, t- Tales from the Borderlands, I think, is sadly now that Telltale is gone. Yeah, I, I, I actually believe that Tales from the Borderlands is overall that company's finest work. You know, well. I, I think the Walking Dead season one is its most memorable. And We're talking impactful. about Telltale. Telltale. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I. No game has ever personally affected me more emotionally than walk, the Walking Dead season one. That 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 I've yeah I've I've, mm-hmm. I've it really hit me. That was just a, such a well done, beautiful <laughs> game. Uh, but yeah, I think start to finish, Tales from the Borderlands is it was a good story. It was well written. It was well acted. It was funny. the The narrative structure was good. Um, everything about it, I thought, was just fantastic. And Reese is in there. We know we, we've we spotted mm-hmm. Reese in from Tales from the Borderlands, and and there along with Tiny Tina and mm-hmm. a lot of familiar faces in in the uh, Borderlands Three unveiling. And in fact, uh, this episode will be unfortunately a little stale pretty quickly because uh, <laughs> there's more coming tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, they had said tune in April April third. You're right. Yeah. Do we know the names of the class archetypes yet? No, but I mean the brick was back, and you know oh, there, the, was, there was the mage. The one that really caught my eye mm-hmm. was the one that can turn into a mech, right? Is that oh, yeah. one? Mm-hmm. And then there's Maybe. a turret on top of her her ultimate. And I just <laughs> I thought don't that, that a second player can then control control that, and I'm yeah. like, brilliant. That's what I want. I want yeah. a lot of that. I played Borderlands one and two um, quite a bit, and it was always it was always a nice, yeah, like Diablo high. I never really went overboard with it because all the character files are stored locally and you can just go into a text editor and <laughs> do whatever you want. And uh, it's a little bit like open battle net in that sense. And I, I never really get invested in terms of like, I'm going to sink hundreds of hours into this game because I can never really get past the rationalization point of going online and, and having somebody that just opened their, their text editor and mm. made their character. Right. I'd like, you know, we live in a, we live in a, a modern age of looter shooters and uh, shared world shooters. So I'd like a little bit of server architecture, at the very least, like, have some kind of authentication process that's always been a criticism of mine in Borderlands. I'd like to see that solved in 2019. Will that happen? I don't know. And even if it doesn't, I'm I'm sure it'll still be very fun. And that's actually exactly where I wanted to go with with this conversation is, you know, this is is a game, this is a franchise now that, that has arguably had, at least for the time being, it's had its lunch eaten. Yes. By... The looter shooter genre, like it sort of kicked all that off with Borderlands One of like, oh, here's a first person shooter that you can play with friends. That's just all about loot mm-hmm. and thousands of millions of guns. And uh, but now 
Destiny is here. Two two Destinies and two Divisions and Anthem and uh, and so many other games. And do you guys do do you two, Destin and Duggan, as as uh, as looter shooter veterans and fans, want this? To Total. be a looter yes. shooter yeah. versus Miranda and maybe myself, <laughs> who are maybe more just sort of traditional first-person shooter fans, do we do we want it to be a looter shooter or or sort of stick to kind of what it's what it's done? I, I'm kind of curious to hear everybody's take on this. Uh, I I think Borderlands Three could potentially still be relevant because. Uh, it is a little bit more narrow in scope in the sense of you're only ever going to have four players. That's the same as Anthem, but Anthem has this kind of like weird MMO-y feel to it. Anthem that has, really, It's got a lot of problems. Anthem so got loot problems. wrong. Yeah, they got loot wrong. They got multiplayer wrong. They got like, multiplayer wrong I mean, big mm-hmm. time. They, they want to tell you a single-player story, but also please play your, with your friends. Yeah. And like yeah. it works really well in free play, but if you're trying to play through the story, then it doesn't make... Anyway, that's yeah. a whole other conversation. <laughs> so, I, I, think board, I think Borderlands will still have that. Same issue. I don't. Well, I'm I'm curious. So so where I was going with this is that uh, Destiny, Division, Anthem. Mm-hmm. When an item drops, it's always, uh, it's only always going to be so powerful. So mm-hmm. uh, and Borderlands doesn't really give a crap like about balance, about end game raid viability. Oh no, if we give this person this loot, is it going to mess up uh, how we tune this next fight? I think Borderlands plays it fast and loose with that stuff, and mm-hmm. therefore you can get some really, really crazy drops like a shotgun that shoots rockets. And yeah, and it's gun, really gun fun. Really dialed up to eleven, and therefore I do think it has a niche, uh, and I think it's a pretty big niche. Yeah, and I think they've already done a good job of like even just showing that in their reveal trailer. Gun with like, legs. The gun with legs. It's actually <laughs> yeah. really cute. It's like, oh, I want to pet it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I was like, that's great. Like, that's great that they're really playing into that goofiness. Because I think with these looter shooters, like, you want some sort of identity that's really exciting to live in, right? Mm-hmm. Because like, if you're going to just keep being here, and if I want something that's going to entice me to it, like, I'm I'm pretty casual when it comes to those. Like, I will pick one and it's like if it, if it hooks me then I'm there for like I love Destiny 2's raids like I love them so much mm-hmm. yeah. but I haven't touched that game in forever yeah. you know it's like that's what I come for I come for the event and so it's like what do they have to kind of draw people to this world and I think they already have like that foundation of Borderlands 1 and 2 people mm-hmm. loving that and I think them playing up in their setting and playing up with their, their charm and like that very good goofiness is just the right thing to do and I like how they're like look at all these guns just dropping from the sky yeah. it's like a massive pile and it was just it's good like they're already setting that tone and I think that at least from what I've seen so far I'm interested in what they want to offer Borderlands is more like uh, maybe a little bit more like the division whereas you can play by yourself and you don't necessarily need to go in with a teammate but that experience is enhanced yeah. if you're yeah. able to play with friends and there's the pre-sequel, there's Borderlands, there's Borderlands 2, and I think Borderlands 2 is really the the best example of what that game can do. It's $5 right now on Steam. Yep. They really, really found a sweet spot for everything, with, by the with way. 2. Not just, not just the game, but all the DLC. Yeah, yeah, for everything. It's one and of those I, things I was like, I'm not even going to play this, but I will buy it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it was free on Xbox, so if you play on console, I have Borderlands 1 and 2 just from times it's been available for free on Xbox Live for whatever reason. Speaking of which, Destin, yeah. perfect Destin segue right there, <laughs> intentional or not. Uh, Borderlands 1, well, you mentioned you've got it from it being free. You want to pay for it again? No. Well, they are, they're, they're giving you the option, but uh, what's, what actually what I find interesting about this for real mm-hmm. is um, there's Borderlands Game of the Year edition that's also out tomorrow, April 3rd, as we record this. P- uh, PC, PS4, and of course Xbox One. But it's not just a 
4K release. It's they've made some uh, what they're calling sort of quality of life enhancements. They've effectively gone back and and massaged some of the either things that have aged badly or were never good in the first place. So there is a Borderlands 2 style mini map that's been added to it, been added to the game's the, the original game's compass. Uh, inventory updates that allow players to lock and label weapons as junk, auto pickups of items off the ground. And uh, that final boss battle that that uh, people did not like, by and large, has been kind of tweaked, redesigned to be, quote, more engaging, challenging, and rewarding. Players will also be able to customize their vault hunters with new cosmetic heads. Now, Destin, Hooray. I know you've just pointed out to me that on PC, uh, that will be actually, that Game of the Year edition will be free if you, want it, if you yeah. own it on PC, which is cool. I don't know if they're going to be doing that on on the console side, I guess right. probably not, because Borderlands 1 was never out on Xbox One. But uh, nevertheless, I mean, if you're going to put a game out again, effectively re-release it, it's kind of a cool way to do it, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Especially that last part, not the hats, the <laughs> more engaging, challenging, and rewarding boss fight, because that was the worst part of that game. Yeah. Was the, you know. Yeah, that but would let's be not like, disregard the hats. But yeah, the hats are important. <laughs> that's that, very that would, important. Maybe you'll get some hats from the final boss fight now. That would be like if if the, remember the the Bioshock remaster trilogy that the, they put out the Bio, Bioshock collection, that would be like if they would have gone back and fixed that crappy boss. God, fight that would have been wonderful. From, from hey, why not? Bioshock You're here 1. already, right? Yeah. This, I would love for this to be the new gold standard of of quick and dirty. I guess it's not really quick and dirty if you do this, but uh, remasters or reworks. Um, and yeah, I, with that said. I do think if you're going to play a Borderlands game in 2019, I think Borderlands 2 is the one for you to play. Mm-hmm. I think even 1 has pacing. Yeah, the, a, a, Everything is worse about 1 relative to 2. It still tells a charming story, and it was still really cool for its time, but the loot, the characters, the world, it's all dulled down relative it's, to 2. It's funny how... I, feel free to please argue with me if you, mm-hmm. if you disagree, but it does seem to me in my many decades at this point <laughs> of playing games that... Game sequels often are better than the originals, whereas movie sequels are usually worse than the originals. And maybe that's just because games, game technology continues to evolve like all the time, whereas film technology more or less has been the same and consistent I, for I a think, long time. So I it's think like, you can have a good sequel without having a good story. And, yeah, uh, that's true. With a game, not yeah. with a film. Uh, case in point, Diablo three. You know, like that story is abysmal, but the game gets there. Right, and there. and I actually, it's funny you even mentioned that because I was thinking of Diablo two to Diablo one when you were talking about Borderlands uh, two versus one. Oh, like two, Diablo one was one of my favorite games ever at the time, but Diablo two <laughs> effectively eradicated any need yeah. or desire I ever had to play Diablo one again. That's how <laughs> that's how good. That's how legendary. That's that's that Diablo 2 is a top 10 game of all time. Oh, I agree. In my book and it's it it wipes Diablo 1 I even from went existence. back to play Diablo 1 just because of the respect I have for yeah. that, that franchise and it was a slog. It was the world was really cool and the whole yes. Tristram and the cathedral under Stay a while and listen. Heroes. <laughs> um but yeah, yes. and and Borderlands 2 I think does that for Borderlands 1. But if you do want to have that full, hey, I want to play them all before the new one comes out. I guess this is a cool yeah, opportunity. You got that got that game of the year edition out there. Mm-hmm. A small note on the uh 
console release of the game, if you've played Borderlands 2 or the pre-sequel, you will actually get 75 free golden keys. Okay. Because the shift system is returning. And oh, they, yeah. So the way the shift system works is basically if they tweet out a key and check out IGN's wiki, because we have a ton of these keys collected, uh, you can actually just redeem them at any time and you just get a key. It's not like a limited amount. Right. So if nice. you redeem any of these codes, you'll get free loot. So when you hit that end game and you just want to get a bunch of cool stuff, you can just do that and maybe you'll get a better shotgun that shoots rockets like Doug had mentioned there earlier. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll be keeping, uh, we'll, I, we'll probably have more to say about Borderlands 3 next week. Yeah. Comes out April 3rd, man. That's awesome. And it's really smart timing. Sorry to interrupt you, Ryan. It's no. really smart timing. I, after the terrible press conference, which was a disaster trash fire, I was still really <laughs> excited. Really I was still really excited for Borderlands 3 and to see the game because like seeing the trailers and everything yeah. got me hyped. I went and downloaded Borderlands 2 that night. Wow. Like I'm going to play through that game again once I'm caught up in Division. I, I'm all in. And to answer your earlier question, like, oh, do you think Borderlands 3 is going to have an audience? Absolutely. I think people are really, really hyped for this game because it really does fill a specific niche, like Honestly, Doug said. I'm just excited for the cosplay. I love Borderlands cosplay. It's <laughs> yeah, very yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so far, <laughs> E3 can and usually changes this, but so far the fall is looking a little light. You know, yes. I feel like we, mm-hmm. we've talked about, we were talking about this in the office that it kind of seems like we're in this lull now where a lot of the big, Absolute, the big yeah. guns have have the big guns have fired off their rounds and now they're everybody's starting to move on to next gen. Mm-hmm. And this fall it's like I mean there's there's a Jedi Fallen Order respawn that that's probably the big game of the fall as we sit here now. Gears 5 fired up and then uh the last thing I forgot to mention you got Doom. Borderland Doom mm-hmm. is is probably that's actually probably number one on my own personal Yeah, list. I can't wait. Uh, even though Jedi Fallen Order is probably a close second. But then, uh, speaking of, of just comical unveiling and how uh, maybe not so perfect it went for Gearbox, they, they managed to leak their own release date. September 13th, because uh, they tweeted it <laughs> and deleted it, and something about dark, dark internets... And dark webs, and there was this, I don't know, a tweet that wasn't supposed to go to be public-facing yet. And Surprise, it, everybody. Before the scheduled tweet. Uh, is yeah. this your card? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it says September 13th. Congratulations. So, uh, yeah, looks like Borderlands will be going, uh, they'll be aiming for the earlier side of the fall. Um, but that should be good. I know, and then Control is August 27th. So that'll kind of kick things off. I'm really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Remedy talked about that last week. So right now we're looking at. I mean, not that it's a bad fall at all. It's just a. You, it's quiet. It's a little little quieter. Control Borderlands, um, Jedi Fallen Order, and that's kind of those are kind of the biggies. Inevitably, Call of Duty, but yeah, it's in it's Infinity Ward's turn. Mm-hmm. I have no mm-hmm. clue. Shooties. What they're going to be, what they're going to try, because I doubt it's going to be Infinite Warfare Two, Ghost Two. No, no. <laughs> what happened to Riley, guys? How's he doing? <laughs> I wonder how that pup's doing. Oh man! I made a bet that he was going to die. He's not happy. I think we all thought he was going to die. <laughs> Anytime I see a dog in a game or a movie, it's like hey, it's going to die. It's fine. I just accept it. <laughs> I got halfway through that campaign, and I to that to when that game came out yeah. I'd pr- I'd played every single Call of Duty campaign mm-hmm. so I, I and so it's like 
I got to finish this because I got to, you know, I'm, I've finished all these. There was this <laughs> voice in my head that said, why are you doing this? <laughs> and eventually I listened to that voice and said, you know what, self, you're 100% right. This game's a trash fire. Stop. There's nothing redeeming about this. Just stop. And I did, and, I, and I'm and i happy to have had those few hours back in my <laughs> life that I didn't give to Call of Duty Ghosts. That's a good call. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. Uh, new things, though. Darkborn. Announced on IGN today. This is... Uh, what up, Brandon? Shut up. Yeah, Brandon Tyrell hooking this one up for us. Darkborn is an interesting game from uh, David Goldfarb and uh, his Swedish team... A smaller team, like 25 developers, they are making a game that I think maybe I could describe it, although it's unfortunate. Evolve has, has a, I think, kind of unfair negative connotation, negative connotation to it. But, well, I don't know um, if it's unfair, but it does have a negative connotation. It do, for sure. Let's agree on that. <laughs> but you, it's, it's kind of, it seems like a basically narrative campaign version of Evolve, where you are, you're a monster, and you start as little baby monster. Uh-huh. And humans uh, Boo. T- tear your family apart. Your little, your your happy, innocent monster family. Tear, you get torn apart, and you spend the rest of the game uh, growing and evolving and becoming more powerful and uh, taking out all the humans. I love it. Which, yep, yeah. sign me up. There is a fifteen minute, fifteen minute pre-alpha gameplay video on IG, and I encourage you to go watch it. Check out our site or our YouTube. Uh, it sounds really interesting. It looks really, really cool. First I person. Like, I like how it sort of twists the genre yes. around, and you play the part of the monster, and they seem to be doing it really, really well, the way that you power up and get stronger as you go. Th- just check out the gameplay, and you'll basically be sold. That's all I needed. Yeah. Um, the people you're killing, too, aren't just innocent people it seems no. like too it's not mm-hmm. like and it's also very brutal so I'm glad that they're positioning this as like this is a revenge story because it seems like maybe these zealots are coming after your family and yeah. like sacrificing the babies and the adults mm-hmm. and like these very weird rituals mm-hmm. um, and putting them in fighting pits and like really awful things so the, there is purpose to it which is good um, I don't really like the design of the monster that much I think it would have been cool to see it something be a little bit more creative because it's very humanoid um, yeah. it has like arms and legs it has a face I would like to see like I don't know longer arms more arms more of a face <laughs> six yeah, I don't know I don't know just like something yeah. a little bit different so. six arms yeah. so you could pick up six guys at once and rip them all in her oh, yeah. Great. yeah I want to do that uh, <laughs> counterpoint <clears throat> but, uh, I, I like that it's kind of human I think that I think that the line between what we consider to be like us and unlike us historically is blurred and often misconstrued. And so anytime the status quo of who is the good guy gets flipped on its head, I'm hundred percent on board. Uh, yeah. I feel like we've just seen that now. story a lot. Like, well, it's still relevant. Like, I mean, it, it we're, we're still, it always is, but I want still like, packing baby cows a, into little I tiny want, boxes, p- p- like pumping them full of uh, medicine and then I want, slaughtering. I want a spider monster though. <laughs> Sure, but Rub spiders are creepy. Snake. You have I think hunt, it's, hunt it's showdown <laughs> for that. It's difficult to. It's, oh, I think true. it's difficult <laughs> to em- empathize with something that is not anthropomorphized. Right. Well, I think that's also important too. Is like you should be able to empathize with something that doesn't look like you, and I think that's an also important sure. story to tell. I sure. totally agree with that. That's also very cool. So yeah, that's just my my one complaint from the reveal. I was like, oh man, I wish it was like a, a creepier monster or something. Sure. Oh, it sure as hell creeps me out. 
and I still want to play it. No. Like, <laughs> I, I just want to see what his experience is like as a monster and like what story they're trying to tell there to see if maybe he's not as innocent or his family isn't as innocent, maybe yeah. as we think. Knows. So, um, going I, on that journey would be cool. I did like that um, one of it looked kind of like maybe a mini boss or actual boss fight. Um, when the baby monster has grown up just a little bit and he enters this ring with this, um, you could almost call him like a hero because he's like in this fighting pit with this monster suit. Definitely not a hero because he's <laughs> lying in the pit. It's rude. Like a matador. Um, yeah, and he had these stats on him. He's like, this is bite proof and it has this and this. And it's kind of cool to give you like those hmm. objectives of like, hey, this enemy has these things. How are we going to figure out this puzzle yeah. to defeat him? And so it's like, I did like that. There's an aspect of that as well. That's cool. Yeah, so they've been working on this for three years, according to Brandon Tyrell's unveiling article with the interview with Mr. Goldfarb. And uh, there's no release date yet. So this this is me completely speculating. I, I genuinely don't know. Uh, I would suspect this is a next-gen title. But not to not say it won't also come out for Xbox One. But mm-hmm. uh, if there's sort of no date on it and we're sitting here in... April of 2019, mm-hmm. then uh, that would lead me to reasonably su- suspect that this is a 2020, uh, you know, maybe l- later or 2021. But in any case, yeah, we'll be keeping it, keeping our eyes on this because it's definitely it's it's different. At the very least, it's something different, and uh, yeah, hopefully it will be so something different in a good way. Yeah, it looks interesting for sure. Next this week, Ubisoft. Locking in Twitter cell three. Thank you, Destin. <laughs> yes, that is the correct answer to, to anything with regard to that company. Uh, they have locked in for E3. We've been talking the last two or three shows about E3 because the publishers are all starting to either confirm that they will or won't be at E3 or will or won't be giving a press conference. Uh, Ubisoft is in for both, in for E3, in for the press conference. Nice. It's going to be on Monday, June 10th at 1 p.m. Pacific. That is pretty much their usual time, I believe. Maybe they were used to be 2 o'clock. I don't know. But they're 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. But what I, what I thought was interesting to discuss here with you guys is that uh, I genuinely don't know what they're going to show. Just dance. Besides that. <laughs> yeah, they will show Just Dance. Good call. <laughs> yeah, I actually kind of liked how they've been showing them the past few years. Like, they're very quick about it. They're like, we're dancing. Yeah. And we're off the <laughs> And stage. we're done, yeah. <laughs> Just so you remember. It's well choreographed. Yeah, they're fun. Last year, they had a bear. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that happened. That was a thing that happened. Um, that but, aside. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to show here because there's no Assassin's Creed this year. And I can't imagine they'll show off next year's Assassin's Creed at this year's E3 because next year's Assassin's Creed has got to be a a next gen launch title. There's no again. It'll there'll probably be an Xbox One and PS4 version of next year's <coughs> Assassin's Creed game, but I would I would bet uh one like one to four odds. I will buy all of you lunch at In and Out if if that if there is not a day one. Assassin's Creed game maybe they'll, for, for Scarlet. Maybe they'll finally go to Japan. That would be cool. I would le- really like to see Feudal Japan. That would be c- very cool. I wish mm-hmm. Brandon were here to talk about where he wants to see the franchise go, because for him, Odyssey is his favorite Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. And it's it's gone into a more of an RPG direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's actually got me more on board with Assassin's Creed. I'm with you. Too. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about that 
narrative dissonance in, in The Division with what mm-hmm. you're doing mechanically versus what you're fighting. And I think Assassin's Creed finally got there. We're like, yeah, we'll just have a mythical beast. They do whatever they want. Good. Assassin's Creed. And I feel <laughs> Far like Cry they also. should do more of that. Yeah, Far yeah. Cry also kind of went off the deep end. But those Tom Clancy games reality through and through yes well and that's so let's talk about that stuff because yeah. so so what is ubisoft going to show oh this year's division E3? content likely okay yeah but that would be an easy one i think skull and bones has to it was very very playable last year i played it you were it, on a boat didn't love it i was on a boat mm-hmm. and it, it felt like it needed a year well, well uh maybe it just felt like it needed a, a direction and they they seem they they're taking the time to do that. Yeah. Whether or not you know how the game turns out remains to be seen. But you know that was remember when Sea of Thieves versus Skull and Bones was the thing. Yeah. Because uh-huh. they both showed at the same oh, E3. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And Sea of Thieves has now been out over a year and has has you know put some meat on its bones. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, whereas Skull and Bones has been delayed to a pretty kind of indefinite window of. I think the the if I remember right the exact phrasing they said was at least 2019. I think it was the the, the term at least there's was some, put in there. There's another pirate game out there too where you sail around on ships, Doug, and it's a PC title. Do you know what I'm talking uh, about? Yeah, that that terrible one that a lot of people oh. thought was good. it's it's abysmal. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they just want to get even out of the way of, of that. <laughs> maybe not even computer. worthy of bringing up. I can't remember the name yeah. of it though. Yeah. Anyway, hopefully it's not on Xbox. So no. Uh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so you're right. Skull and Bones is probably a a, a good candidate to, it, that, to have an E3 check in with. Yeah. That that archetype of game, World of Tanks esque kind of. Uh, launching it the first time i played it, it was very similar to world of tanks and then playing it again it was a little bit more open world and there was like kind of a dynamic system where it, it populates your instance with other players that you can either choose to fight or uh, befriend but then also betray in in classic pirate uh, fashion but it still felt devoid of a direction and it felt like an experience that i would get bored of in a couple of hours so i i'm glad they're taking their time yeah with that said the combat's great like the uh the ship-based combat you have the the ramming ship, you have the the long range ship, you have the broadside ship archetype, and I think they can really go off the the deep end with those and present some meaningful progression. I just off uh, the plank, off the plank. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Um, so you look at Destin, you look at the Clancy stuff, Rainbow Six Siege. Highly doubt we're going to see a Rainbow Six Siege two at E three because huh. Rainbow Six Siege yeah. is in year four. It's more successful than ever. We don't mess with they. They're probably not going to mess with it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. Uh, then you have, uh, of course, Splinter Cell, as you kindly mentioned, which always warms my heart every time. I just want to hear that goggle sound. It'll be they'll open with that goggle <laughs> sound, and then the, they'll uh, do the reveal. They, they have yeah. reached the point where, uh, number one, if and when Splinter Cell ever comes back, the reveal has to start that way. Yeah, it has to start with that sound. They need Michael Ironside, right? They need 100%. the voice actor, hundred yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. And if they start the the one day theoretical Splinter Cell reveal <laughs> with that sound, the room will erupt. Yep, that it will just be a just an absolute raucous <laughs> uh, set of applause. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't. It, now I feel. I see. I feel like last year was if Splinter Cell was going to happen anytime soon, it was going to be last year. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like it's. It's too late, and it would need to be an. I'd, I'd actually want it to be a next gen title at this oh, point. Oh, okay, yeah. So 
which would mean you wouldn't see it at this year's E3 if it even was in development. I think they show it this year. Well, I mean, it was it was leaked in the Walmart thing, and every other game that was on that list has been revealed. A lot of stuff, Mm -hmm. but not everything. Like two things weren't right: Splinter Cell and something else. I don't remember, (laughs) but I know Splinter Cell was one of them, and I I, watched a new Watchdog. I think was one of the others. But that Walmart Mm -hmm. leak too was still like. That was sort of the, well, duh, those games are all good. <laughs> it was just sort of, well, of course. It's like the inevitable, every year there are the E3 leaks where it's people just write, you know, they just put out fake stuff on the internet. Well, it's, of yeah. course some of it's going to be right. So probably something new that we haven't seen before from Ubisoft for sure. I do actually think we'll see Splinter Cell. Beyond Good and Evil 2, they'll announce something going on with that game. They're, they're, they got to be pretty close that, to shipping that's that. A, that's a good one yeah. to bring up because, yeah, I think you know th- that was a big fan appreciation moment. Mm-hmm. Everybody was happy to see that. That was two E3s ago now. Yeah. So you're right. I think we might be due for a, a check-in there from Michel Ancel and the team. Um, I wanted to debate you on the Rainbow Six Siege 2 thing, but pulling up the average concurrent players on Steam, you're right. It's just there's, it's, 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 got got it's got traction. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's about 73 thousand average concurrent players i assume that's daily uh and that has dropped just the tiniest bit but not enough i think to compare it to like when it first launched it's been uh, astronomical I, well I they think... keep they keep supporting it and it's like one of the top 10 sales games every they, month almost they just put out that really cool mm-hmm. um april fool's day oh that was thing, so good True. it's like everything's all pink and i think it's like rainbow unicorns rainbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah well the, it's yeah. the, the plane rainbow plane rainbow magic six yeah it's like rainbow. A, yeah it's it's super cute and like yeah. i mean i like it a lot it's very fun. <laughs> but yeah like, i think it's really cool that they're still playing that community mm-hmm. they're still like making sure that that group feels supported and and, and i think what'll happen with with rainbow six is I don't know if it'll be on launch day, but I think there will be a Scarlet version mm. of Rainbow Six Siege that just, you know, probably you'll either get it for free if you already own it or, or a very minimal increase uh, price, you know, that that they'll, you know, new higher resolution, higher textures. It's already a 60 frame per second game, but you know, just sort of a port up to next gen and all this with all the same, co- like they'll probably sell like a, It'll just be like a deluxe game of the yeah. year mm-hmm. edition. I do think it's worth bringing up the perspective that while those numbers are super high for a, a game as a service Ubisoft game, they're still a fraction of things like Dota, League mm-hmm. of Legends, Counter Strike, Global Offensive. That's fair. So but th- it, those if, games are also, I mean, those are. But Ubisoft the elite. has been establishing this cadence of we are one of these developers. And they are. They're one of those developers who can support a project post launch for a very long time, even if it has a rough launch a la For Honor. For Honor, yeah. So I think. I do think, like, if I was in a Ubisoft board meeting and they're, you know, what is what can get us there? I would say Rainbow Six Siege 2 is that title. They've said, historically, they're not going to do that, and I respect that. And maybe that's part of the reason why they're becoming such a good game-as-a-service developer. Um, but still worthy of consideration, I think. You're totally right. I mean, and and maybe you're right. In the, the next gen does offer the a good opportunity to make yeah. that leap where you can maybe you can enhance the engine, maybe go even crazier with the physics and the destructibility. And you can always do something for those millions of concurrent players and the player base. You can just say, hey, if you're an existing Siege player, you can get the next, you can get Rainbow Six Siege 2 for 20 bucks. Yep. And they've made some mistakes design-wise that they have had trouble undoing. There are a couple of operators that came out during that like zombie thing that they have gone back and said, you know what, we wish we didn't implement these because it fundamentally changed the way people play this game so much. So I think they, they kind of hit their design ceiling, bounce back off of it, and now they have a really good sense of uh, what it scope-wise, is. Scope-wise, yeah, like where they can go 
creatively. Yeah. So a, a second one, I would play the crap out of it, but I love the first game, and I know it already has a great community. So. And here's a game. I'm going to mention a couple more names. Uh, sticking with Clancy, Destin, what's going on with Ghost Recon? Like, mm. I feel like it's been a while now. Yeah. You know, they, they did, I guess last year was Michael Ironside stuff. Yeah, so the, the expansion, there was a Splinter Cell expansion sort of teasing of course, Splinter Cell without actually giving us a Splinter which was, Cell, which was very difficult. <laughs> it was yeah. that was that was hard. Punch Man, in the gut. I played that, yeah. and it took that was yeah. not easy. Which Duggan I which played is fine. it too. Yeah, it was a grind. Dude. <laughs> I don't. I don't particularly <laughs> yeah. enjoy Wildlands, but I like what it tries to do. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so you know, is Ghost Recon due for for a, a, a new version? And then um, the other one that I'm, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see some smiles in this room in two seconds. Prince of Persia. Right, that's mm-hmm. shouldn't. I think Prince of Persia. It's time for that game to come back. Time for that franchise to come back. Maybe, yeah, maybe. No, I think I think has, there was, has I, Assassin's Creed functionally got to the same place. Of, that's of that's what I was no, pseudo. And I would argue no because Prince of Persia was was all about was really more about the platforming, mm-hmm. about the mechanics. Yeah, that Assassin's I, Creed is kind of straight away from and, that, and, and less about the combat, uh, or and certainly. Prince of Persia wasn't. I mean, Sands of Time wasn't really an open world game. It yeah. was kind of a a linear adventure, but it was just so well done with a good story. That yeah, I, I'd love to see a a new take on that. I I think that when the scale is reined into a, a smaller, more finite place, you have an easier time evoking that amazing sense of Absolutely. level design and stuff like yes. that. And Assassin's Creed has kind of gotten away from that because it is this big. Right, large open world RPG. Yeah, well, and, of, and that's sorry, real quick. That's uh-huh. exactly you're you're making my point for me too. Yeah. That Assassins has has actually pivoted further away from what from Prince of Persia. Yeah, uh, and it is it is more of an RPG now. So I think there there is room has been opened up in the port in the portfolio for Ubisoft for Prince of Persia to come back. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say that uh, Ubisoft is definitely focused more on big open world games. And it's like it'd be kind of cool to see them scale back a little bit and just do something a little bit more linear and focused. But I agree. So I agree. we've talked a lot of, a lot about old stuff. I just to reiterate my point about their new IP potential here. Mm-hmm. For Honor was a new IP when it launched. You know, Prince of Persia was it existed, but they sort of resurfaced it. I think we're going to see some new stuff from Ubisoft this That's year. That's what I'm thinking too. For like for like way way down the line. Of course, we'll see we'll see something for Division. You know, the new raid, or they'll do some sort of little feature ad about what's coming to the that game now as a yeah. big success on a platform. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to lean into that, and I think that maybe Massive's avatar will be kind of the culminating factor where you ditch reality and kind of take what you've learned and apply it to a space that can really live for a long time. But mm-hmm. they're, they're definitely finding some success, you know, striking at the, the gold vein that is shared world shooters and, and, and MMO-esque games. Good stuff. Yeah, one way or the other, at least, you, it's nice that we don't. We we really have very little idea what Ubisoft will do at E3, mm-hmm. and that'll make for a more fun press conference for yep. sure. All right, uh, let's and then there's just one one last thing here because <laughs> we're running long. But uh, following up on our recent Bethesda E3 conversation, literally hours after the show recording, <laughs> they have since. Yeah, Pete Hines uh, has since confirmed that they will not be talking about Elder Scrolls Six, which we thought, and they will not be talking about Starfield, which we thought they would. So no, no uh, Todd Howard. Basically, not not t- ne- neither of Todd Howard's uh, direct children will be <laughs> video game children will be. We're doomed. 
Yeah. Hey. They, they, they sent out the um, they sent out the QuakeCon invite today. Yeah, I got it. And it's and it says the year you know year of doom. Yeah. So um, yeah, there, it's going to be all about Doom Eternal. Great, and I'm fine with that. Me too. Mm-hmm. Doom 2016 is so good. It we is. were just um, Miranda. We were just revamping. We had our first meeting about uh, refreshing our top. 25 best uh, Xbox One game yes. featured. We, we we renew that twice a year to mm-hmm. account for new games coming out, and some awesome new games have come out since we last did it. But we <laughs> we were talking about Doom 2016, and it's like, that game is... Actually, it's coming up on three years old, because it came out in May, as I recall. Yeah. So it's just shy of three years old, yeah. and I would argue it's still... Well... If not the best, it's it's one of the two or three best first person shooters of this generation. Mm-hmm. Duggan, you yeah, with me on that? I, I I would agree with that. Certainly, Titanfall two high on that list. Titanfall two is high on that list. I think Doom. I would actually. I can't wait for Doom Eternal because I do think Doom had in spots a little bit of repetition more yeah, than I would like fair. because it was so refined and well done. And uh, like watching the No Clip documentary, just like getting on board with the hey, you're either a metal fan or go away kind of thing yeah. and, and 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 i love that it just it like doom guy is my new favorite mechanism to tell <laughs> stories in games because you just know what's going to happen when he interacts with literally anything he's going to punch it it's your uh, spirit animal yeah, yeah i love it it's wonderful <laughs> all right uh let's move on to the loot box it's a question from thomas hall this gamer tag is zane chaos sounds like a super villain name i like that he asks, what game storyline has stayed with you the longest? Oof. He points out for him it's Life is Strange, which he gave uh, what I presume is a pretty big spoiler in his email that I don't want <laughs> to pass on mm-hmm. for fear of passing on that spoiler. But, um, yeah, he Life is Strange has really stuck with him. Miranda, can I go your way first? Yeah, so this is a hard one because there's definitely things that have stayed with me. I think there's weirdly like fundamental games that have changed how or games that fundamentally change how i think about video games and playing them Mm. stories um and when i was young ocarina of time was definitely one of those for me it was the first time i felt like guilt while playing a game um when you know like link messes up and and, like you have to go save everyone from ganon and everything goes like to shit essentially (laughs) Um, like i felt so bad i mean it's not my fault it's part of the story but like that was the first time i had felt that so that was a really big thing for me way to go miranda i know it's like wow i do this um but i think um the one that's impacted me most is probably undertale which is weird because it's it's definitely newer um but that's the one i definitely feel the most of the games that i've played yeah i think james uh, it's got to be Warcraft 3 for me. Really? Oh, yeah. I think uh, there are so many narrative threads and strands that are spun up during that game. Arthas, uh, his journey with Frostmourne, his journey with uh, the plight of the undead, um, Thrall, so many interesting stories that are that are indicative of Blizzard's absolute best. Um, and I think some of the best story meets gameplay moments in all the video games. Now, unfortunately, all of those threads are overexamined to death in World of Warcraft and beyond. And that where where Blizzard at some point, I think, had an air of nuance and mystique uh, and subtlety in the way that it it told stories where it didn't have to overexamine or explain. Diablo is a great example. When Diablo 2 starts out, you have no idea what what the heck is going on. And you figure it out as you go, and it's terrifying, and it it is... um, 
destitute as a result. Diablo 3, in the intro, they tell you, in the beginning, there was angels and demons, <laughs> and they fought in the eternal conflict, and then it shines a spotlight through the whole game, and therefore there's no sense of, of exploration, right. and you're not really afraid of anything. Uh, so I think that was the sweet spot for Blizzard was, was Warcraft 3 with uh, its characters, its fantasy, as well as its nuance. I like that. Destin? God of War 2? No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's, That's, a joke. Great. That's not real. Yeah. Wow. I would actually say... Uh, Eco, Shadow of the Colossus, and The Last Guardian mm. for its passive storytelling and what you sort of discover as you play through each of those games. His relationship with the, the I think, believe she's a princess in Ico, who he's trying to protect throughout the entirety of the game, and just how that all unfolds in Shadow of the Colossus. He's selfishly trying to resurrect his girlfriend or wife or whatever. And, um, significant other. Yeah, significant other. And to see what lengths he goes to. He basically destroys everything to bring that one person. And then uh, The Last Guardian is about your relationship with this monster, sort of, bird dog. dog. And and then how all that ends up unfolding. But secondarily, Fumita Ueda and his drive and vision for creation of games like that, he will actually just go into this creative cycle where he'll concept out everything in uh, 3ds Max, and then show his design goals with very rudimentary uh, physics, sort of attached to the objects. He's like, "This is what I want it to be like when you're scaling, scaling uh, character." And so, story-wise, those stick with me, and I think about them often. The games, and I also think about his drive and uh, his vision as a creator, and being able to convey that outwardly and retain it throughout the design process to launch something, even if it's flawed in the way that The Last Guardian was, yeah. he, he left Sony, but he stayed on as an advisor to make sure that the game met at least a specific bar for his vision. And I actually really appreciate The Last Guardian for that. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's tough for me to pick one. I mean, uh, I've been thinking just as you guys have been talking. and uh, <laughs> I, Halo, I, Halo hasn't... Story, though. But as far as sto- storylines <laughs> oh, like sticking story with Halo. me... No, I mean, I for me, I love. I mean, I've always loved Halo, and <laughs> I do appreciate the universe, but it's not quite on that list for me as far as the uh, storyline that's just resonated with me for years after the fact. I, um, I actually go to a couple of my old favorite LucasArts adventure games, mm. um, Full Throttle, number one. If you've never played it, it's sadly still not out on Xbox, but it did get a remaster. Uh, you can play it on PC or. Um, I think it, I think there was a PlayStation release too because Sony helped kind of hook all that up for Tim Tim Schafer. Um, but Full Throttle is just this hilarious, just bizarre dystopian biker heavy metal biker adventure uh, that that alternates between sort of good drama and just absurd humor. Uh, and on the same vein, all like the first three Monkey Island games are all that way, where it's. Those games were just sort of this bizarre escapism where you're you're going into this goofy Caribbean sort of paradise but the, you're and you're just this bumbling teenager trying to become a pirate and the, those storylines uh, are with me but I guess I I would probably actually have to go with the game I mentioned earlier in the show uh, Walking Dead season 1 mm. mm-hmm. for Telltale like that I still think about that game and that story from time to time whenever Whenever anybody mentions, oh, you know, this the emotional impact of this game or that game, and for me, it's like I always come back to that of, 
I've said this story before, but when I when I finished the last episode and what and what happens, uh, it was eleven thirty at night, and I think we had gotten it before. You know, we got it in for review. I didn't review it, yeah. but I think the old, Mitch Dyer was uh, had also finished it, mm-hmm. and I was just like. And I sat there and went, it's 1130 at night. <laughs> it's way too late, but I have to talk to someone about this. So I called Mitch, <laughs> mm-hmm. and thankfully he was still awake. And we just, yeah, we just like sort of talked about it for, I, I was sitting there with my jaw hung open, mm-hmm. quiet. I mean, there was nobody to talk to in the room, but, and it's just, just silence as the, as the credits rolled. And it was just like, man, that, that game and that story were, were something else. So mm-hmm. Thomas Hall. Great question. Good question. Mm. If uh, for the loot box, if you want to friend Thomas on on Xbox Live, his gamer tag again is Zane Chaos, and we'll uh, come right back in two shakes of a lamb's tail with uh, the unlock block trivia. I am only hearing that in one ear, so that, <laughs> I wonder if that's going to come through. It's all mixed up. Yeah, I can, that's fine. true. I can stereoify it uh, before mm-hmm. it hits our listeners' ears. Anyway, Joe Haygood from Riverside, California. His gamer tag is Micklazy. I like that. I like that's, that, too. Yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, this is a good one from Joe. He asks, Henry Rollins, over the years, has had a long-spanning career, including successful since as, of course, a musician, an actor, uh, TV shows, and yes, even a starring role in a video game. So, do you know which one of these games from the original Xbox that Henry Rollins voiced the lead character of? I want to preface this by saying I didn't know this one. I, I was think I might. I was around in the OG Xbox days covering Xbox, and I don't remember this one. So, a great question from Joe. Henry Rollins, did he voice the lead character in Big Mother Truckers? Which, is, well, yes, was a real game. Driver, that's Driver 3, D-R-I-V-3-R, which was uh, very much lampooned at the time for its title. Soldier of Fortune 2 Double Helix, or Mace Griffin Bounty Hunter. I didn't know who Henry, Henry Rollins was. That's so was fair. Like, yeah. I need to look this man up. And it's like, <laughs> I have no idea. That's fine. You know, hey. He has a song called Liar that was on MTV for many years. I'm going to look that yeah. up after the show. Yeah. Yeah. Can I guess? Go ahead. I actually, I have no idea. Yeah, go for it. Um, B. Driver. Driver <laughs> three. Uh, James Duggan. Uh, also also unfamiliar, but I'm just going to go with Soldier of Fortune 2, Double Helix. Destin, you think you know it? You, I think it's B. You think it's Driver 3. Mm-hmm. I feel the music bringing me luck. <laughs> The new loot box. The new old old music? Yeah, new old music. Uh, Unfortunately, no points this week. It was Mace Griffin Bounty. Dang it, that's Mm. what I was going to guess. I was like, no way. That's too too edgy. (laughs) Good job, Joe. Uh, Yeah, Soldier of Fortune 2, Double Helix. Man, uh, that was Raven Software back when Activision actually allowed them to make their own video games and not just be a Call of Duty support studio. Mm -hmm. Soldier of Fortune 1 was super controversial in its day. I'm dating myself, but that's all right. I thought Mace Griffin was made up. Me too. No, That's why I didn't know. I was like, there's no yeah. way. Soldier of Fortune was a was a ultra violent first person shooter. Its whole thing uh, back when back when the technology <laughs> didn't allow wow. for this. 
We're showing the was uh, the box art, the box yeah, for Mace wow. Griffin. It's a but you could you could shoot off <laughs> individual limbs and body parts uh, okay. of guys mm. in Soldier of Fortune. The Mortal Combat of Shooter. Yeah, they, they took that to the next level in Soldier of Fortune two. Uh, and then, how did they take it to the next level? Just you know, you can shoot off more think, parts. Yeah, I think so. I think that's literally because fingers. Again, you have to remember back, like in the earlier first-person shooter days, even you know the early 3D days, you you couldn't like there were your the models were just yeah a yeah. model like you couldn't you could jib people, but that was that's it. Yeah, you um, could explode them into a, a ball of goo, but that's that was about it. So Soldier of Fortune was one of the first ones to let you shoot off arms and legs and. You know, guys would be limping around and ah, and then fall over, and it was very grisly at the time. Boy. So, excellent job, Joe. If uh, if any of you out there want to send in a loot box question and or an unlocked block trivia question, you can do so by emailing unlocked at ign.com. In the case of the trivia, I'll need four multiple choice answers, and do note the correct answer in your email. It's time for us to go. We're uh, over the hour mark, so that's about that's about all. Uh, all we've got time for this week. We got Beyond coming in here next to record oh, yeah. their show. They were yelling at us last week because we <laughs> ran way over. So I'd be a little more respectful <laughs> to our coworkers this week. But uh, James Duggan, yeah, where can we find you on Twitter? On wherever? What have you been up to? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Thuggan Duggan, T H U G G N D U G G N, and you can check out the Division Two and Anthem reviews, which are both posted yes. now. Um, I think even if you've I like to check out other people's reviews after I've posted mine. Oh yeah, after the fact. Just sure. just because uh, I like other people's ideas. Yeah, and see so, what other people thought right. of something. Even if you played the games, give them a, a watch, see if you agree or disagree with any, and I'm always willing to have a uh, a a nice debate. Love it, Destin. Yeah, check me out over at Twitch.tv/slash Destin Channel. Stream there on Tuesdays. I'll be grinding out Division. Actually, getting ready for your for World Tier Five. Lingonot's going to throw me a bunch of garbage, and then all all that all that'll be thrown away. I'm sure shortly thereafter. Uh, Really excited to be playing some Borderlands Two again soon, and I have a major feature that I've been working on for a long time that's going to come out soon. But every Destin video on IGN, ranked in in one (laughs) in one big compilation. But yeah, I've been really trying to get it done, and uh, it's almost wrapped. So I'm happy, Miranda. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Havoc Grows, and that's Havoc with a K. Um, right now, I'm actually working on a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, so it's not a lot to show for. But if you guys do see any games that are announced or confirmed to be at E3, or if you guys know of some games, or if you're maybe working on a game that will be at E3, um, hit me up, because I am also managing our E3 games list. And Ooh. so we keep track of everything that's been confirmed or has substantial rumors to be at E3. So Fantastic. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Uh, I actually just thought of one other thing I did this week for uh, for our features editor, Lucy. Speaking of Doom that, that oh, yeah. uh, Doug and I are both super looking forward to. So uh, Lucy, our features editor, said, hey, uh, we should do, a, with Rage 2 coming out soonish, we should do a top 10 weapons for, that id Software has ever done. And I was like, oh, I'm Brilliant. your guy for that. <laughs> I'm your guy for that. I've, I've played them all. Uh, so, yeah, I put together... You can probably guess what number one is, but you know, see what see, see if you agree with the rest of the list. But yeah, it's made so many good shooters over the years, and and those shooters have had a lot of really cool weapons in them. 
I did the capture time. for it, man. Yes, it was you. it was so fun to go back and play those old games. Uh, the original Quake only used keyboard controls, so I'm using oh. the D-pad to aim, so and it was such a trip. And you got go Trent Reznor playing. Right? Oh, Nine Inch wonderful, Nails. Wonderful. Yeah, I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool to go back to <laughs> and like experience again. Quake was, it a, was fun. It was, it was a, a revelation in its day, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, all right. And then, yeah, Unfiltered next week. It'll be a good one, I think. Let's keep an eye out or ear out for that one. And we're done. That was Unlock 388. Thanks for tuning in as always, and we'll see you all next week. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.